Welcome to the Field Notes podcast, where we talk about all things happening with Esri Field Operations. My name is Demaya. And my name is Josh, and we're product writers on the Esri Field Apps team. Hello, and welcome to the Field Notes podcast. On today's episode, we're going to be discussing how Esri Field Operations are being used in the commercial agriculture industry. And for this conversation, we are joined by Elvis Takao, and Elvis is a solutions engineer on the Esri Natural Resources team. So settle in, maybe grab a glass of wine, and let's talk about viticulture, agriculture, and GIS. Welcome to the podcast, Elvis. Thanks so much for being with us today. Welcome. Thank you guys for having me. Glad to be here. Yeah. So before we dive in, why don't you just start and tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, absolutely. So the, my name is Elvis Takao. I'm a solution engineer here at Esri. I'm part of our global business development um, group at Esri. And I work primarily in a group called Natural Resources, where we focus on a number of different industries, um, ranging from the oil and gas industry to um, our pipeline industry, forestry, mining, renewable sector, and my primary focus, which is commercial agriculture. I guess to start off the conversation and to provide some background for our listeners, could you kind of um, walk through what commercial agriculture is and what this field or I guess industry encompasses? Absolutely. So when you think of commercial agriculture, I think the best way to maybe define it per se is to contrast it with what we call subsistence agriculture also, which essentially is farming which in which nearly every crop or the livestock that's being raised is used to actually maintain the farmer and the farmer's family. So there's often very little, if any, surplus that goes that's actually sold or traded. So you contrast that with commercial agriculture, where the production of crops is specifically for the purpose of selling them. It's designed to produce crops that are um, distributed um, um, worldwide into larger markets and they're exported throughout the country. So it's primarily for the purpose of, of making revenue and, 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 and getting it out to the masses. Really cool. Yeah, I had never even known that. Could you could you say the other name? Uh, so there's commercial and subsistence. Is that the other? Yes, name? subsistence agriculture. And you see a lot of subsistence agriculture in 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 many of the third world countries. Um, um, you look at the continent of Africa overall, or you look at parts of Africa, sub-Saharan Africa, West Africa. A lot of those nations in those countries um, they practice a lot of subsistence agriculture, where um, those farmers are growing because it is their livelihood. It is how they're going to feed their families. It's how they're going to make it from day to day. So um, it's not actually being sold at a commercial scale, um, even though they, they do practice some commercial agriculture as well. Interesting. And are there any like subfields below the umbrella, I guess, that makes up commercial agriculture, like different like industries or fields that kind of come together to make this one industry? Yeah, I mean, there are several, several different aspects of commercial agriculture, whether you're looking at, um, you know, working with, uh, like I work with um, some of the seed producers, we work with um, agricultural co-ops, I work with, um, 
you know, there's the viticulture industry, which is which is one of my areas of specific interest, which focuses around um, um, commercialization of the growing of, of, of wine grapes for the purpose uh, specifically of making wine. So um, horticulture, these are all areas within the broader commercial agriculture sector that um, that are of interest and of focus. Nice. So how did you get involved in commercial agriculture and, you know, what led you to this position in Esri and what do you actually do as a, you know, solutions engineer? Yeah, so as a solution engineer, my, my primary role is really to understand the business problems that um, prospective customers and current customers are, are trying to solve. Um, specifically um, spatial problems that that may require the use of technology. So it's, so it's my role to really understand what those problems are and then help these customers craft solutions using, in many cases, our GIS technology to, to address those business needs. So whether it's a, whether it's a farmer trying to understand, you know, the, 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 um, best management practices to undertake on their farm and how technology can help them become more efficient. Um, those are the types of problems that we're, we're trying to solve. And I came into agriculture by way of academia. Um, I, I studied uh, landscape ecology um, with an emphasis in spatial and in spatial analytics. And that led me to doing a lot of um, spatially oriented solving spatially oriented problems ar around um, environmental landscapes. And coming to Esri, it was a natural fit to be part of the natural resources department where we're dealing with um, um, landscapes, but more in the agricultural context, um, which, is what I'm, which is what I'm doing here at Esri. So you mentioned that you work, um, one of the areas that you work in is viticulture and that you help, I guess, farmers or people in that field craft solutions to major problems. Are there certain problems within the viticulture field that you've kind of addressed or, or that have come up in um, recent years? Yeah, so viticulture and being a subset of broader agriculture, it's, it's an inherently spatial industry where location um, and the timing of events is extremely, extremely important. So the ability to use technology to make the workflows more efficient to to make more timely decisions and to make more precise decisions about the, the timing of different agricultural events is is extremely important in viticulture we've seen technology specifically being used to do things like um, site selection so where should i be growing a particular variety of of, of grape or if I, if I have some property at a particular location, you know, given the environmental conditions, given, given the, the soil type, maybe even given the weather conditions, you know, what should I be growing there? What, what um, applications or management practices should I be undertaking? Um, what's actually at that location? Can I, can I physically map, you know, all of my vineyards and all of my vineyard blocks and maybe even my equipment like the trellises and and other aspects of that viticulture endeavor how can i account for all of those assets in a spatial way so that it can enable me to make um, more prudent and more um, accurate and effective decisions about the overall operation and then other things like just putting 
you know, efficient technology into the hands of, of the people working the, the vineyard so that they can do their um, inspections more effectively or they can know precisely where to spray for pest or to spray for, for disease. Those types of decisions are actually enhanced by using GIS technology to, to, um, to sort of um, map those areas and get, get an effective idea of, of what your area of operation is like. That's awesome. It's cool to hear that, you know, GIS is kind of used from the beginning to select the site and then also to actually run the operation. So like you said, it's, it's inherently spatial. Just out of curiosity, what is some of the data that's collected during an inspection, I guess? Yeah. So if we're talking specifically around viticulture, you know, for, for one, um, to, to do the, to do the inspections effectively, you have to be able to, you have to know, you know, what's on your vineyard. So what variety have you planted? Um, what's the spacing between the rows? What's the spacing between the vines? All of that type of information gets collected. And then when you go out to do things like an inspection, you could be inspecting for pest and disease, or you could just be doing general inspection to understand the state, the state of, of your vineyard operation. Uh, you know, are we in harvest or, or is this, you know, pre-harvest? Do I need, um, am I, am I, testing for, you know, the, the sugar content in the vines, all of that type of information gets collected spatially and, 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 and in a temporal way, because they're used to ultimately make decisions about the timing of harvest and the timing of applications and the timing of, you know, um, spraying or the, 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 the timing of any of those management decisions um, is directly related to that data that you're collecting. Wow, so it seems like a extremely detailed process, and kind of the data you're getting is very specific. And I guess it kind of has to be if your um, your goal is to kind of figure out timing of of when things grow. Are there specific products that you're using to kind of get this um, information and this data? Yeah, so so from a GIS perspective, um, there are a range of products that we're using, and 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 when I say range, it really varies from you know. When we're collecting data like, um, you know, imagery data, we're using drones, we're using satellite imagery to, to actually collect that, informa that information and data and then do some sort of analysis on it, whether it's to understand the health of the vines or just to understand, you know, oh, do I have a broken irrigation line here or do I need to fix, a, you know, um, you know, any aspect of my infrastructure, right? So, so we'll use things like drone technology to capture that, that type of data. And we use, you know, specific applications within the ArcGIS suite, like, um, you know, site scan for ArcGIS. But then it sort of trickles down into some of the field workflows where we're using some of our technology, like ArcGIS field maps, really helps you go out there and understand what your area of operations is. Sometimes you have people doing a quick inspection in the vineyard and they're just trying to identify diseased vines and they need to do so very quickly and on the go. So they'll use something like um, ArcGIS um, Quick Capture and maybe even integrated with something like um, Survey123 because they need to actually get a detailed survey of, of, 
of certain events. So you're going through quickly identifying whether it's diseased or not diseased. But if it is, if it is diseased, then you might pause for a second and pull out another application to take more detailed notes about, about that disease vine. So those are some of the technologies that we're using. It's the whole suite of our mobile, of our mobile tools that are actually applicable for, for, um, for agriculture. Yeah, it really seems like it's a pretty integrated process of kind of cross-using yeah. technologies to kind of get to one solution. Absolutely. And we've seen people go from using, you know, um, notepads or paper and pen or using spreadsheets out in the field to, re to really taking that and using, you know, digital forms of data, of data acquisition to actually streamline the process and make it more effective. Do we still see people out there with notepads? Absolutely. Um, but we're seeing more and more people using the technology to do the work because it's a little bit more efficient and more effective. And I'm assuming too, you know, when you're out collecting that data and performing those inspections with a field app, um, you're also creating a history, right, of records. So is that, you know, I'm kind of assuming is that data then used to kind of like forecast for the next year and like make decisions um, moving forward? You're, you're spot on. That's effectively why you why we advocate at least in our best practices we advocate this you know system of record you know because as you collect that data um from a year to year from one year to the next you are building up a history you are building up um you know a historical database that you could go back and look at for trends because it will help you make decisions moving forward the management decisions you made last year based on certain environmental conditions, those, those management decisions might have to be adjusted in the, in, the, in the following year because your conditions have changed slightly. But when you see similar patterns and you had you know, favorable yields per se, you might want to maintain those, those management decisions. So that's where that history of data becomes very important to look at patterns historically and um, over time, over time and space actually. And looking back, I guess, over um, your history of working with different farms um, and vineyards and things like that, is there a specific, I guess, solution or problem that stands out to you as being like particularly unique or something you hadn't expected to work on or be a problem that, that you've kind of um, helped with? Well, you know, one thing that's, that's become very prevalent now is, you know, we're all experiencing um, a change in our in our world. We're experiencing a change in our environment, and um, and how we choose to call that, whether we use the term climate change or not. The reality is that our environment is changing, and one of the major problems we're seeing, especially out west, with all the forest fires. Um, not just the prevalence and the frequency and the intensity of these fires increasing, but some of the other effects of 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 these fires happening throughout the West is um, from a viticulture perspective, you're getting these um, you're getting these plumes of smoke that are that are um, traversing the land, and that's actually affecting um, the grapes. And so we're seeing a lot of growers trying to understand, build um, 
uh, models using technology to understand where that smoke is going to go so that they can start to put some mitigation practices in place to, to protect those grapes so, um, so that they're not actually destroyed, which will ultimately affect the wine that's being produced. So we're seeing some really clever, um, um, you know, machine machine learning um, technologies out there to try to understand where that smoke is going to end up based on based on environmental conditions based on wind speeds and wind directions and just an overall location of a, of a particular vineyard or farm so that's some of the really interesting stuff that's that's going on ultimately if my if my vineyard is going to be destroyed by smoke or fire it's going to affect me financially because um you know, um, you have ag insurance companies that may not actually insure your property because it's more susceptible to, 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 to smoke or to fires and stuff like that. So that's one of the, the neater problems that, we're, that we're, we've been trying to help some of our growers resolve is to try to understand um, those patterns in, in, in smoke and, and fire behavior. Definitely. And I mean, unfortunately, it seems like that's just going to be a problem that keeps yeah. ramping up. Uh, it's not going away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you mentioned, you know, when you're able to try to predict where smoke will go, you mentioned then the, um, the vineyards can, can, or, you know, farms can add some mitigation techniques. What, what would you do? Like what, what can you do to prevent or help mitigate the effects of smoke? Well, inevitably um, it's, it's, it's hard. And yeah. so what, what they're, what they're trying to do is, you know, trying to really understand which which vineyards are going to be most susceptible to it. So, so with with that knowledge and with that understanding, they could take steps. You know, I've got a I've got a a, a, a client that I'm aware of that they have a fire team in place, and that fire team essentially what they do is they assess their properties um, distributed. Um, throughout the state and understand what the greatest risk to fire is for those properties. And the more at risk properties are properties that they, you know, they, they may try to institute some sort of um, mitigation practices, whether it's, um, you know, clearing brush or, 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 or making sure that there are no structures in the way that would that would you know incite the fire or make it burn even heavier so those types of practices are, are, are what people are looking at to put in place I feel like this story or I guess this scenario of kind of viticulture having to I guess react to the problems of climate change kind of shows that I guess like all industries agriculture has to evolve um, due to external factors so I'm wondering if there are um, any ways which you see um, I guess commercial agriculture or viticulture kind of innovating and how GIS is being used to kind of keep up with that innovation, I guess, in practice or um, anything like that. Well, th this is, this is going to sound, um, I think the biggest way that the agriculture industry, viticulture um, can, can innovate using technology. One of the things I see is in more collaboration and data sharing because um, the more data and information we have that we can actually use to do analysis, the more questions we can answer. Right now we're in an environment where um, so much of this information is, is not 
being shared with with um, whether it's research institutions or other groups who are trying to create these models. And I think that lack of data and that lack of sharing is actually stifling our innovation. It's stifling our creativity to build those solutions that would potentially help address some of these problems. Because I, I think that's one of our biggest challenges is the, is the lack of readily available data to do the research and to do the fact finding that we need to help create these innovative solutions that can help address some of the problems we're facing. Definitely. That makes a lot of sense because, I mean, obviously with something as big and impactful as climate change, you know, it, it affects everything and everyone. So the more that we share the data, the more we work together, the more everyone stands to benefit from it. Precisely, precisely. And then, you know, our methods for managing large volumes of data, that's evolving too. The technologies are evolving, they're improving. I mean, you know, when you look at the, the agricultural landscape today, my goodness, every equipment has, you know, we've got sensors in the field, we've got sensors on tractors, we've got um, satellites high above farms that are constantly collecting data. And so all of these advanced technologies are, are actually going to help us turn this data into information that these farmers and land managers alike can use to make, um, to make more informed decisions, but probably more importantly, more timely decisions because mm -hmm. it's the it's the timing of the decision that's actually going to lead to the types of um, boost in productivity and actually reduce you know the environmental impacts that we're having on the land through our management practices. So so um, I think there's a lot there's a lot there's a lot at stake here, not just in terms of uh, increasing our productivity. But more importantly, on reducing the impact that our that our management practices are having on the land, I think that is the the biggest battle that we have to fight moving um, moving forward. Is sort of this concept of um, regenerative farming, farming in a way that minimizes the impact on the land, the impact on the environment as much as possible. And that's where technology comes in because I think. That's, that's only possible using smart farming techniques, using technology to enable us to, to, to make those, those better and more timely decisions. All right. Well, I think that is all the time we have for today's episode, but thank you again so much for joining us, Elvis. Um, it's been a real pleasure being able to sit down and talk with you today. I appreciate the opportunity and hopefully um, some of what we discuss is of interest to our users and look forward to future discussions. Definitely. And if listeners want to find out more about, you know, kind of what we've talked about um, and the latest developments in agriculture and GIS, is there a good place that they can find this information? You know, um, we have selfishly we have a lot of um learn resources and um, on the arcgis websites where they can find some of this information one of my favorite resources is is something called crop life and they're always talking about um sort of the the most recent trends in in agriculture and technology alike um whether it's gis technology or other aspects of technology um that's a resource that i that i tend to tend to use quite a bit Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being willing to talk to us today. Thank you for your time. 
Thank you for listening to the Field Notes podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe to Field Notes on your favorite podcast app and join us on the next episode.